0: a podcast about product management, user experience, design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right. Welcome to another episode of Product by Design. Uh, I am Kyle Evans, and today, joined by a special guest, uh, Jason Sherman, so excited to have you on. Welcome to the show, Jason. Man,
1: thanks for having me, man. This is exciting stuff. Uh, it
0: is. It's super exciting. So let me just give a brief introduction to Jason and then Jason, you can fill in some of the gaps. So yeah. Jason, you you run a mobile uh, web, well, Jason runs a web and mobile dev shop and film studio. We'll have to, we'll have to touch more on that. Uh, from Philadelphia, uh, you do uh, lecturing, writing. Uh, you have a podcast as well, and uh, you do some teaching, uh, other things you have some online uh, tutorials, uh, online courses for students, things like that. Yeah. Guest (laughs) lecturing as well. (laughs) Uh, So why don't you, with that, uh, with that introduction, and you wrote a startup book called Strap on Your Boots, which we will definitely talk on more. And that is also the name of your podcast. So that is a brief introduction, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, some of the things you do? And yeah, Yeah,
1: man, I, uh, as far as I can remember going back to being a kid, even I was always creating things. I was really independent. So like one day I'd come to my parents and say, look at this board game I created, or look at this, you know, children's book that I wrote, or look at this, you know, thing that I built. And I was always kind of doing things on my own in my own little world. And as I got older, teenage years, I kept thinking to myself, I, I, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to just keep creating things for the rest of my life. I, I'm not, you know, the 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 one lane kind of person where I just have that, you know, I'm an accountant or I'm a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. So I, I did find an affinity towards computers and technology. So when I went to college, I started out as pre-med, like a lot of people have done, <laughs> but I quickly shifted over to computers because that was the thing that kept attracting me over the years, whether it was taking apart a computer or trying to code something or back then it was using tapes and cartridges to try programs and games. So I was always attracted to technology. And so that's what I went to college for. And during the 90s, when the Internet was just invented, right, that's when I was going to school. So I was enamored by building Web pages, even though it was this brand new thing. And from there, helping people build their websites for their businesses or fixing their computers or building custom computers. I was always like a hands-on kind of person. And then as you go into my 20s and 30s, I just continued on that path of creation, whether it was writing a book or um, starting a new business, uh, importing, exporting, or helping people with technology consulting, and then eventually creating movies and learning how to write screenplays. And I was always into music and music production. So you know, if you look at my life and my achievements or accomplishments, it's a lot of those types of things all kind of together, which as an example, I just finished my last uh, documentary. It's my third movie that I worked on since 2019. And in the movie, I had to write it. I had to film it. I had to edit it. I had to create some music for it. I had to do the sound editing. I had to do the graphics, the visual effects. I had to do the social media part the website, and so on and so forth. How do you do all those things? People ask me, right? How do you do all of that? That's pretty much the, one of the pieces here of your episode is okay. how can you do all these different things and, and at once, well, it's 20 years or 30 years <laughs> yep. of, of trying just a small piece of those things. And then eventually after all this time, I know how to do all of them. So now I do them all together. Do I want to hire people for those things? Of course, but you need large budgets for that stuff. So, you know, you save a lot of money and time because delegating tasks don't always work out. Uh, But that's where I am today. I'm, I'm, you know, juggling between building technology and mobile apps, uh, making movies, writing screenplays or books, teaching my content to people around the world, uh, doing podcasts and videos and blog posts, and I'm just overall creating things and helping others do the same thing. Wow. That is a really exciting
0: background. And I think a lot to unpack there. So with, (laughs) we'll probably dive into a bunch of those with all of those wide ranging experiences, you know, from the, the filmmaking to the development, to the entrepreneurship that to everything have you found, well, I guess, first off uh, what has kind of drawn you into each of those Uh, specific areas? You know, has it been uh, just learning them as you need to develop that skill for, you know, for certain projects that you're working on, or has there been different things that have kind of drawn you into some of those different areas?
1: Yeah. I do get asked this question often, and I don't think I've ever answered it correctly. (laughs) So, So I'm glad that I actually, cause usually my answer is I just like creating things and I always wanted to learn new things, but that's really not the right answer. Now that I think of it, um, I actually thought about this. And most of the time that I ventured into a new industry and picked up a whole bunch of new skills to add to my arsenal, it was out of a need Mm -hmm. to fill a pain point that I found in my life. So if there was a mobile app that I wanted to build back in 2010, 11, 12, iPhones just came out. I didn't just want to hire someone to build it for me. I wanted to learn how to build it because I was already good at websites. So I knew that building an iPhone app was about designing it first, right? Doing the mock-ups, doing the UI, UX, um, wireframes and all that. So, you know, fast forward, it was all about building an app that I wanted to build. Um, when it came to helping others do that and, you know, making more, of, more apps and things like that, I realized, well, wait a minute, I'm succeeding at these mobile apps and web platforms doing the same things over and over again. So again, filling the need of writing a book of jotting down every single thing I did that worked and the things that didn't work to avoid those things, instead of repeating myself to people over and over and over again, which is what I was doing. And I started to notice a trend of, wait a minute, I'm saying the same things over and over again. Let me put it in a book and get it out to people a lot easier. So it was filling a need. Right. And then movies, big one for me, uh, you know, it's such a the movie situation is a really strange one for me. I, I do do feel as though serendipity and fate and you know everything happens for a reason. I believe that those things are true because my whole life, I and and for me, when I say my whole life, unlike teenagers and 20-year-olds who say my whole life, <laughs> for me, I'm I'm in my 40s. So for me, my whole life is almost half a century, right? And as far as I can remember, my grandfather ran a movie theater when I was a kid. I was always just in love with movies. But I never made movies until I got to my 30s. So when, when people say it's too late for me to do something, that's BS. It's never too late. I didn't make my first movie until I was in my 30s, right? So my father retired. He had his uh, 60th birthday at the same time. So instead of making him the typical photo slideshow that you see at these things, I made him a, a life movie, mm-hmm. right? Like a 15-minute short documentary about his life using footage and photos and voiceovers and music. And I showed it in front of 50 of his friends and family and they were blown away. And they said, you should make movies. So I got a little light bulb in the head. I'm like, maybe I should. So um, I always wanted to make movies, but I never did. And I I think the the need for me, the pain point that I was feeling was I was watching a lot of garbage and I'm like, I could do so much better than this. So I started making movies. I taught myself the equivalent of a master's degree in, in filmmaking on my own. Using you know funds that I was making from the tech industry to purchase equipment, working with a lot of production companies to extract as much knowledge as I could, and then use it for my own stylistic approach, and um, winning awards and 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 learning how to write screenplays and and just going from there. Man, it was just it's always because I wanted to fill a need for something. I felt like there was something missing in the market, like a gap.
0: Right, right. That's so interesting and and so great because I think that it really touches on probably a couple points that we're we're. we'll dive into a little bit more is is filling some of the gaps and finding problems both in the market. And then I guess too, within our own lives, like what is, what are some of those missing things and what are some of those pain points and how can, how can we fill them going along that same thing? Like, has there been kind of a common thread among uh, the things that you've learned that has helped you along? Or uh, has it been, you know, just the drive to learn something new that uh, you know, has, has kind of propelled you along as you've picked up those new skills?
1: It's a bit of both, actually. I would say that learning for me is is life. Like if I'm not learning something new, I am bored, right? I, I get kind of, and it's really, and, and you'll never really hear me say that I'm bored. Um, <laughs> there's, pe- there's people out there that I hear them say all the time, I'm so bored, I'm so bored. I never get bored because you can always do something. You can always create something. So for me, definitely has been, a part of life. Like if I'm not creating something and learning something then I'm just sitting around binging Netflix. Right. And that's great for an hour, but not for eight hours. Um, But to, to your earlier, the, the, the first piece about um, finding something that I felt as though, you know, I feel, I feel like when you're going to embark on a new venture or learn a new skill or jump into a new industry before you do anything, you need to research it. Yeah. So when you say, if there's anything I learned, it's that you have to understand what it is you're about to do for the next year to five years before you just plop down 10 grand and start spending all this time making a website and, and making. I, I know how, how many people make business cards before they even have a business. How many people spend money on a website or pay someone to make a website before they have a business uh, or or physically? make a prototype or a product of something before and like spending thousands of dollars, you know, maybe getting 10,000 pieces of a of something from China and getting a ship. All these different things, right? You need to validate your idea yeah. before you do anything. So, if if anything has been learned in the past 20 years of of running businesses, it has been before you spend any time or money on something, make sure a couple things first you're going to be passionate about this thing that you're you really really love it because if you don't you're going to be doing it for no reason you're going to be bored you're going to be depressed two make sure that people like this thing that you're about to do right make sure that it's validated in the market somehow and three make sure that you have a specific target market like you know exactly who you want to target with this thing because if you say oh i'm going to i'm going to target everybody everybody wants this i'm like well that's probably not true. You definitely have a specific a specific age group or demographic of people who definitely want this thing and that's how you'll succeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think those are those are super, super good points uh, because it's so easy to create, and you kind of touched on this, it's so easy to create solutions to problems that potentially don't exist or to problems that we wish existed, uh, but don't, don't necessarily exist. And then you end up with, something that, you know, isn't going to be as popular as you hoped it would be. Or, you know, in the, in the case of a business, like uh, a whole bunch of things that you're not going to be able to sell, or if you're building something up, you know, technology that nobody wants to buy or, or use. So, and and that kind of goes to, I I guess, a point that you made, well, let me step back for a second and then we'll kind of touch on this a little bit more. Uh, You wrote a book called Strap on Your Boots, and you kind of touched on this a second ago uh, with all of the, you, you were getting a lot of questions. And so you, uh, it, it sounds like you kind of decided to put all of the, the information that you had been learning, you know, through your career into this book called strap on your boots. And I actually finished reading it, uh, yesterday. So awesome. it's, it's got, yeah, a lot of good information. We're going to talk some more about that. Cause I, I've got some questions I wanted to, to pull out of that, but
1: tell how, us how many what, hours, how many hours do we have?
0: <laughs> probably, probably not enough to, to go into all of it. We could probably like take each section as its yeah. own thing, but
1: you know what, that's why uh, at some point I turned it into a course that I was yeah. teaching at different universities. Cause it is a couple of hours, right? Yep. You can, you can, but yeah, um, you're right. The, the book was a culmination of all the different things I learned. And I think one of the pieces that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is that there is a formula. Uh, there's a lot of formulas that can almost guarantee you success in some way, right? But the, the, the truth here is, is that you should definitely follow something whether it's mine or somebody else's, you shouldn't go at it blindly. You should not think that you know everything and that what you think is correct and that you know better than the market because I've worked with too many entrepreneurs who say that, oh, I don't need to follow steps or, oh, my idea is worth a billion dollars or this is going to blow Facebook out of the water or whatever, right? I've heard that so many times and I have yet to see one of those entrepreneurs succeed. Yeah. So the ones who I was helping originally before the book, uh, it wasn't just telling them the same things. It was truly being a mentor to them and helping them through daily grind of, you know, what should I do and how do I do this? And I don't know how to do this. And, you know, and I would realize, well, wait a minute, they need the same 10 things or the same 12 things or whatever. Um, So here's how you do these 12 things one by one, working with them over the course of a couple of weeks, you know, until finally realizing I got I to gotta put this down on paper and start, um, you know, giving this out to people, giving it to college students, giving it to entrepreneurs. And then, of course, st- starting to pick up clients from this because they were like, well, wait a minute, I, you're helping me, but I need more. I need someone to actually help me build the mobile app or help me build the web platform or help me do the marketing plan or whatever. So that's where I started to, you know, take my my mobile web dev shop, which originally was just like everybody like everybody else taking clients from anywhere right we were doing any kind of work from anybody to to starting to realize well wait a minute there's a good target here of entrepreneurs people who want to build startups that are scalable you know think tiktok or instagram or whatever mm-hmm. right Um, And so starting to build stuff like that and, um, and making sure that they followed the rules in the book (laughs) and the guidelines. And so in the, in the book, and,
0: you know, like we were just talking about, um, you know, one of the things that, that you talked about really is creating an MVP or a minimal viable product and and making sure that you test out the uh, hypothesis that you have, or, or making sure that you test the market with the minimal amount of uh, whatever it is that you can do in order to to verify that your ideas are good and that they're right, and uh, you gave the example in there too of, you know, you you may have an e you know an e commerce shop or or an online auction uh, shop where you want to put it a whole lot of features in there, you know, like the buying and the selling and the shipping and all of those different types of things. But when it comes down to it, you what you really need is to just have a way to match buyers and sellers. And, and that could be the first thing that you need to test out. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of your experience, uh, either creating meaningful MVPs in some of your businesses or as you've helped, uh, you know, coach other entrepreneurs in creating MVPs and, and what have what have been some of the the successes that you've had or seen others have and, and maybe what have been some of the failures in, in not creating good Oof. MVPs?
1: <laughs> Jeez, I mean, i'll start with i'll I'll go in order because that was a lot to <laughs> uh a lot to take in the first thing I would say is that a, a minimum viable product is really a way for you to show people what it is you what your concept is it's a way to it's a way to help you validate your concept right so let's let's go beyond technology for a minute um we can start with um you know like smartphones right smartphones started out. There's these big bulky phones that you had to open up and pull the antenna out and they had buttons on them. And that was like the MVP of, of today's smartphone. And we went through how many iterations of cellular phones over the course of 20 years, we went through the ones where you pushed the thing and we went through the one that had like a little, it was flat. We had the one where it was eventually a Blackberry and then a touchscreen. And then finally the smartphone and same with MP3 players and any other thing, cars, bicycles, Everything had a beginning, airplanes, right? The MVP, Orville, uh, the Wright brothers, right? Um, they, they created this thing that barely flew, but that was the MVP to what we fly in today. So you have to start from something basic just to get the point across so that people can say to you, yes, I like what I see. I, like, I want to use this when it's available. Here's what I think you should do to make it better right? Cause the purpose in a, the purpose of an MVP is to get feedback. This is the part people fail to understand for some reason. I don't know why, but they want to go from instead of building an MVP. So let's say this is the MVP down here for people that are listening. I have my hand down very, very low. The version two or three or four of the app is all the way up here. So I'm holding my other hand up really high. People want to go from here to here in a month. Right. They don't yeah. they don't want to do they don't want to do the MVP and then version one and then version two and then version. So when someone comes to me and says, hey, Jason, I have an idea for this web platform or mobile app. They literally hand me 10 pages of technical requirements. Right. 10 pages of features, really long, drawn out stuff. And I look at it and I literally rip off nine pages and I look at the first page and then I start crossing stuff off on that. And I say, here's your MVP. It's like one or two features, usually just one. And the way you figure out what that one feature is, is by uh, identifying your core value proposition, right? So what is the core value proposition of movie theaters, right? Movies. You didn't go to movie theaters originally and start buying popcorn and soda and candy. There was none of that. The original movie theaters were literally a place you would come in, sit down, and watch a movie. Eventually, popcorn vendors would show up outside as an add-on feature, right? Eventually, they'd have concession stands. Eventually, they had the red carpet and premieres. And eventually, they started doing DVDs and you know TV. Everything kind of spawned from a, a central core value proposition. So for, let's say, a mobile app, and you want to build like uh, something like Instagram, right? Instagram originally, all you could do was post a picture. That's it. Yep. You couldn't like check in anywhere. You couldn't post videos. You didn't even have a profile really. It was very basic. You, you couldn't direct message anybody. You couldn't post any stories. You couldn't add any special effects or filters. There was none of that. It was just post a picture and call it a day, yep. right? <laughs> that was their core value proposition. Once... People start posting photos and you start getting like, say, 10,000 people posting pictures. Oh, okay. So now let me send a survey to those 10,000 people. What would you like to see next? 80% of them say they want to add filters to their photos. Okay, let's start adding some filters. Next thing you add, now you have 50,000 users. What do you want to see next? We would like to post um, videos. Okay. Okay. Hundred to 500,000 users, what do you want to do next? And so on. And you keep asking your users what it is you want, what does they want while you're building it. So you're not building it because you think it's great. You're building it because they think it's great. And the, the, the mistakes that I've seen <laughs> are, are, are people who basically throw money at something, right? They, they have unlimited funds or they might have limited funds, but a large amount of it. And they believe that their idea is the best thing ever. So they think that just by building, 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 and not releasing anything, just building, 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 and paying, 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 paying. Eventually, they can release this incredible, what I would consider version four of a platform, only to find out that nobody really wants what they're trying to put out. Yep, They didn't validate it. They just think it's a good idea, but they 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 unfortunately find out that nobody wants what they're doing or what they think is a platform. And I've said this before to many people: it's not a platform; it's just a feature. Yeah, it's just a feature that could have been in another app, right? So they think, oh no, this is a great thing, and I'm like, yeah, but it really is just a feature. And um, although they think they validated it with a lot of beta testing, right, which is Probably true. They de- they definitely beta tested it with maybe college students and things like that. They didn't beta test it enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They might have done it with like 100 people or 1,000 people. But beta testing takes a long time. It takes like six months, sometimes up to a year. And the more you beta test something and the more feedback you get, the more you're going to succeed. So case in point, you want to ask about successes. And I've had many failures, of course. But you look at them as learning experiences, right? What did you learn from a failure or what did you learn from a non-success that helped you succeed again? So we'll go back to one of my most favorite apps that I built, which is Instamore. Uh, It was in 2013, the very first video dating app, right? I was, the pain point was I was tired of dating pictures and text messages. It was always superficial, still going on today, (laughs) right? Still the way it works. And so I built a minimum viable product. The minimum viable product allowed you to do something very simple. Create a video profile, match with other people, and video message and chat with them. That was it. It didn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It was just basic. Build a video profile. I was on the news because of it, right? Because I got 10,000 users pretty quickly. And then I got accepted into an accelerator, built the Android version, got to 100,000 users, then 500,000 users over the course of its lifetime before we ran out of money and could not raise another round. We tried, but we're in Philadelphia and Philadelphia was not an easy place to raise money for consumer apps. They're more yeah. of a business B2B mm-hmm. type of thing, revenue based, it's not California. So, I mean, as a matter of fact, all of our investors are from New York, right? They were from New York. So it just goes to show you, we had to travel to get, <laughs> to get our investors. Um, so needless to say, we shut the company down, but then I rebuilt it as a different, again, I used the feedback. Before we closed down from hundreds of thousands of people that said, yeah, dating is cool, but we really want to meet people based on activities and interests. So that's what we rebuilt it as now activities and interests. And I'm I'm doing my beta testing right now. I, I, I'm literally building an, the, 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 the final version of the app after beta testing and MVP for the past you know year or two. And when I launch it, it's going to be to a certain amount of people, get feedback, iterate keep doing that over and over again until we hit the sweet spot and then do a public launch. I'm following my own steps, man. Like, you know, I'm not just putting, throwing stuff at a wall and hoping it sticks. People need to follow those steps. And uh, you know, when you ask about successes, there are, you know, many of entrepreneurs or companies that I worked with where we followed the MVP process, which was building something small, testing it, iterating building more, testing it, iterating, feedback, and keep doing that over and over again until we launch. And then they start getting more and more, you know, clients or users and growing the platform. I mean, it's happened many, many times, whether it's enterprise level or consumer or B2B. the At the end of the day, the process works. Yeah. You just have to follow it. You have to trust it. You have to trust the process. If you don't trust it, if you think you're better than it, you'll fail.
0: Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's... Exactly right. Uh, Especially, it's so difficult to fully understand uh, what I mean. There's, there's market needs. There's timing. As, as product people, as entrepreneurs, we always think that we know what we definitely know what we want, and we can definitely know what a few people want. But until you get out and actually test things, uh, you can't validate that that is the thing that the market needs or that everybody needs in the way that they want in the right timing and things like that. And so, if you haven't done that, you really could just be throwing lots of time and lots of money away very very quickly. And I've I've seen that done. I've heard other stories about that being done too. Like some really really sad stories of, you know, people kind of locking themselves away for a year building really great things and then coming out and testing it with, you know, with their potential users only to find out like it's not even close to what they are looking for. And that's a lot of time to spend building something to not have it like really hit the mark, only to find that out like a year later when you could find that out, you know, a week or two weeks or a month into what a you're month, doing. Yeah. yeah, it
1: takes about a month.
0: Yep, so.
1: It's, it's a shame that people just don't, they don't get it. And a lot of people are afraid to show people their idea. Yeah. I don't know why, because it's so <laughs> rare that your idea is gonna be stolen. Uh, it's super, super rare. I mean, sure, Mark Zuckerberg stole Facebook. We understand that. But everybody now uses that as their excuse. And it's not going to happen. Yep. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Stop, stop thinking that, people. Stop. <laughs>
0: No, no. The, the real problem that I found, and this is always funny that if you have a really great idea, you're going to have to really like shove it down people's throats to get them to understand it and to buy it. They're not going to, you're not really going to ever find somebody who's like really looking to poach or steal your ideas. If, if it's good, you're going to have to cram it down people's throats for them to, to understand it. And to.
1: And that's to why, it. that's why I think the easiest way to do that, right. The easiest way, simply, simply, simply is to either draw it out on a whiteboard and take pictures of it. Or if you're good at Photoshop or something, make it look nice, like a nice design, but make it quick. Yeah. Like you can show someone on your phone, like, okay, so you log in, swipe, right? Like just to get to the next screen and say, you do this, swipe, and then you do this and then boom, you do this. And this is what you do. That's it. Yep. Right. And they're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. But I would, I don't like the colors or, you know, uh, maybe you should do this too. Or maybe, you know, did you think about doing this? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, thanks. You jot jot down all those notes, right? <laughs> it should be 30 seconds, man. It should be a quick boom, 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 boom. Here's what my app does. What do you think? Or, you know, if you have a physical product, put it in their hand, you know, 3D printed or whatever, put it in their hand. What do you think of this? Oh, uh, it's too small. Uh, why is why is it purple? Why not red? Uh maybe you can do it with this thing sticking out of here instead of out of here, you know, just. It's all about visually showing somebody what it is quickly, not waiting a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like,
1: get it out there, man. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. You you touched on the fact that you are, you know, in the process of you know creating and testing and you know getting ready to to launch. Um, again, uh, you touched on launching, of course, in your book. Uh, you know, the process for doing that. So so tell us more about what it takes to have a successful product launch, you know, once you're ready to get to that stage and you know go out beyond, you know, some of the initial users and the beta testing and actually get it out into you know the hands of the general public. What does that look like?
1: You know, this is a good question because number one, it would be an entire podcast episode. (laughs) Number two, I just got done talking to a company who asked me how to help them do this for their cryptocurrency launch. And I'm doing it for my own company and I'm doing it for my documentary literally as we speak before and after this podcast, I was over on the other computer getting the marketing materials ready for distribution, which is very similar, getting the social media channels up and running, getting a press release ready, getting blog posts up and running, um, scheduled, um, getting podcast interviews ready, getting all the, uh, you know, graphics that I'm going to need to push out there and making a teaser trailer and a video and, you know, Every single company or idea is literally going to be the same. doesn't matter if it's music, movies, writing, technology, pet food, T-shirts, clothing. I don't care. It's all the same. You need to have a blog. And on that blog, you need to put information related to your industry that shows you're an expert in the topic of your industry without advertising your business or idea. You do not want to do that. Just information is all it's for. You need to have really good social media presence. So you want to use all of them. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Clubhouse. Use them all. And just consistently post the same graphics and videos on all of them. Make sure the branding looks the same on all of them. The logo, the colors, you know, the message you're putting across to it. Uh, you want to have a press release or two lined up, uh, which explains what you're going to be launching to potential news and journalists and media and press. You need to have what I like to call a Q&A doc. So you probably saw this in my book, but yep. people are going to ask you the same 10 questions about your idea. You should type out answers to those questions ahead of time so you can pass them off to your team and say, here's the answers to these questions so that our vision is aligned. Our message is aligned. You don't want one guy saying one thing and the other saying the other. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's some controversy or whatnot. Just get, get your vision and your message aligned across your team. If you're by yourself, it's still good to do it because that way you won't hesitate or fumble when someone asks you a question. You want to have a pitch ready to go, right? Uh, if somebody asks you, what's your movie about? What's your, tell them your log line. If somebody asks you, what's your app about? That's why it's called an elevator pitch. Um, there are, believe it or not, there have been many times I've been fortunate enough to be in an, elevate, an elevator with a billionaire more than once where we you know, said hi to each other. And then they said, hey, so what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I have an app that I'm building or whatever. And you got to tell them real quick, what does it do? And they have to say, oh, OK, yeah, I get it. Maybe they write you a check. Maybe they don't. Usually they don't. But at least you pitched your idea. If you can't pitch your idea in thirty seconds or less for a four-year-old to understand it, then you got to start over again, right? You got to you got to figure it out. Too many people have complicated pitches, right? So you don't want to do that. Um, but but yeah, just getting out there as a public launch—it's what I call an all an, an all-or-nothing approach. You have to do everything, uh, whether it's like the blogs, the press releases, the social media. Creating videos is super important, right? If you don't have the the, the the technology or the cameras or whatever, you can get some pretty cheap equipment or find somebody who does. And it's more about the story you're telling versus the quality. You know, um, one of the most famous examples I tell people is the million dollar shave club, Mm -hmm. right? You might, maybe you heard of it. It's, it's pretty, it's at this point, it's, it's pretty old, but they made this simple video of this guy walking through a warehouse with funny things happening around him, all about the, the, the razors, right? It was all about razors and he, the quality was just whatever. It was like a basic, you know, quality, but it made the company worth millions yeah. and billions, I think, because it was so funny, right? It was such a funny commercial. People have to get out of that whole, I got to hire, you know, this crew and I got to spend all this money on this Tell your story to people, get people to tell your story for you. Um, sure. It's good to have swag. I mean, at one point, you know, we were handing these out on college campuses, for instance, more these uh, beer coasters, right? We'd go to the bars. We just put them down on the bars and people would pick them up and look at them and they would start going on the app. So that was a good way of doing it. We handed out bracelets that said, I'm single. So if people wore them, they would know they're single. Right. I mean, it was just a, another way of spreading the word. So Think of unique and interesting ways to get out into the market. Follow influencers, journalists on social media, read their articles, mention their articles in your blog by using buzzwords and then linking, backlinking to their, their stuff so that they can see that you're interested in them. Maybe you'll get written up in a feature, maybe you'll be mentioned in an article. Uh, But nowadays, man, it's so much easier to get out there than it was, say, five or 10 years ago. You know, you can jump on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram and just start posting your stuff and people will see it. It's just it's it's inevitable. Right. But you're also going to be battling the uh, saturation of the market. Right. Um, Everybody's got an idea nowadays. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, especially in the age of COVID and the pandemic more and more and more people are now starting to do things from home. So you do have to kind of figure out a way to navigate through all of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think you touched on some really, really good points that, you know, regardless of of how you do it, are just so critical. And regardless of what you're doing, it really comes back to telling a good story and making sure that you're telling that in a variety of different ways, you know, whether it's you're launching a new product, a new company, even a new feature like within a company, like you need to be able to tell that story concisely and compellingly so that people can get it. Otherwise, you've totally missed you. I mean, you can have the the greatest product, the greatest company, even the greatest feature that you've done. But if you can't tell the story of what you've done and even show it in a way that really gets people engaged, then you've missed really a golden opportunity to, to get people understanding like what you've created. And, and that feels like in today's day and age when there's just so many ways of doing it and you don't even have to be professional at it, that it's something that all of us should be becoming at least proficient at, you know, the storytelling in the writing in the visual mediums you know the the photographs and the video and in other ways of of just telling a good story.
1: Absolutely. I, one of the most inspirational things I've seen recently that really hit the nail on the head on all counts what it happens to be called inspiration for. The inspiration for SpaceX launch, right? They did the first four public uh, civilians in space but see look at their story right look at how they messed the messaging was all about four civilians you know in space public in space travel not private they have a, U- uh, a youtube channel they have netflix docu series that was cinematography was was beautiful the story of the people watching their lives and their struggles and their family and you know their their heart their heartache from the loss they had or you know cancer and all these all the stories right and and really tugging at your heartstrings and making it relatable, making it relatable, right? That's the thing is that when you can make a story relatable, it's no longer just another rocket launch. It's no longer just a NASA, you know, shuttle cargo to the international space station. It's no longer just, you know, this thing or that thing. No, this is a historic flight to space with four humans who are not part of NASA, who are just like you and me. They have families just like you and me they're not astronauts and now they're in space, which eventually means we can be in space. And that's why that messaging and and that marketing and everything about that was just beautiful. Yeah, Well done. We should give a big applause to uh, the SpaceX crew for doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And, and the other part too, and you mentioned it is, is so that, you know, a four-year-old can understand it. Uh, I, you know, I've got young kids and I feel like, they are a forcing function in storytelling for me, because anytime I try to explain anything, you know, they will ask what I'm doing, what my work is, all of those things. And if I can't concisely and easily explain it to them, then I know that I've messed it up in some way. And so like, and they, they have to be able to understand it. Otherwise they'll just kind of like roll their eyes at me and be like, well, daddy doesn't know what he's talking about. And so like, you really have to, if you can't explain it to a kid, then you don't understand it well enough, or you haven't got your story down well enough to explain yeah,
1: it. Yeah, you, you got to dumb it down. Yeah, it's what it comes down to. You know, you, you know, if your pitch is like, uh, my mobile app takes the psychological infrastructure of the brain nodes and the you know the frontal lobe and the, the left hand and the right hand side, and then it extracts the data and parses it into this thing and that thing. What the hell are you talking about? Yep. Oh, my app takes your brain waves and turns it into colors. Yeah. Oh, I get that. Okay, cool. You know, like you got to take the difficult words and make them very simple yeah. for people to understand. And and I think that people like to over tech, I want to say technolify, but that's not really a word <laughs> they want to, they want to over technical. They want to make it too technical so that they seem impressive. Yep. But what you're doing is you're scaring people off. Yep. You know what I mean? So dumb it down, man, make it easy to understand. And then people be, Oh, I get it. Yeah. You know?
0: Yep. So I, I want to touch on this too, because you mentioned a, you know, a crypto company that you're working with earlier. And then at the end of the, the your book, I, th- I thought this little snippet was just great that, uh, <laughs> you, you built a mining rig in 2013. I think it was 2013, 2013. Or, yeah. yeah man. And, uh, you felt like you, at that point you were late to, to Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit more about your involvement, uh, just in crypto and Bitcoin and how has, being late to Bitcoin in 2013 worked out for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, that's that's hilarious. See, in hindsight, Bitcoin had only been out for a couple of years, but I, I felt like, damn it, why didn't I hear about it in 2009 or 10 when it first came out when you could mine it on a laptop, mm-hmm. right? That's what I meant when I thought it was too late. But when I built a mining rig out of milk crates and a motherboard and some video cards... <laughs> in 2013, Bitcoin was only $80 a piece. Mm-hmm. So obviously it went to 60,000 this year, but the fact that, you know, to, for me, hundred dollars a piece or whatever was, was high compared to the 10 cents that it was when it, you know, when it was first widely available, I thought that it was late. Right. But I realized obviously years and years later, almost a decade later that I was in really, really early. When people hear that I built a mining rig in 2013 and then I built another one in 2017 to mine Ethereum, they're like, holy crap, I just got it in 2018. <laughs> you were mining all these years. So, yeah, I, I definitely I wrote about it in an article, too, that I published in the Hacker Quarterly mm-hmm. magazine. It was about the future. I, I'm, a, I'm a futurist. I love anything futuristic. I love sci-fi. Um, I love anything that is technological space flight you know bitcoin was right up there it was like whoa like i kept thinking to myself think about all the shows and movies you watch where somebody had like a chip in their wrist and they would scan it and then they would take 100 credits off for that meal or whatever where they would be at a you know a a futuristic market somewhere and they want to buy that weapon and they scan a wrist bracelet or something Mm -hmm. and it would take credits off star trek did it star wars did it everybody did the credits thing and i'm like wouldn't it be so cool if we had something like that? And then I saw Bitcoin and i was like, wait a minute, we do have it. You can scan something and get a, you know, pay for something. So I immediately understood the implications of what it would mean for the future. And that's why I jumped in early. Now I realize it's early. Back then I thought it was late. Whenever I get into something three, four years late, then or three or four years after it comes out, to me, that's late. Yeah but it wasn't. But, but you know, I just look at it like when it comes to businesses and people should know this, by the way, when you hear about something and it's been out for a couple of years, it is going to be late, especially when it's multi-level marketing stuff. Stay away from all that because when people come to you, oh, I have a business idea and they want to try to sell you on some pyramid scheme. When you're hearing about it from this person, it's way, you're, you're all the way at the bottom of the thing. So do your own research learn everything about the thing before you spend any time or money in it. And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. There's no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. You got to put in the work and that's the hard truth that nobody wants to swallow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely right. We will open it up. Are there any other topics or things that, uh, you know, we haven't touched on that you kind of wanted to to share.
1: <sighs> There's so many things we could talk about. Right. I, I think, um, one of the things that I do enjoy doing that a lot of people don't seem to be able to grasp is that I don't just do one thing. Um, I I like to bounce from project to project. Like for example, I just finished my documentary and now I'm working on relaunching my app. Right. In the meantime, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, okay, I want to write another screenplay. Uh, You know, then I'll probably bounce back to shooting another movie and then working on another platform and then maybe I'll work on some music and then maybe I'll write a book and then so on and so forth. And I think that I th- I think a lot of people are afraid. Fear is a powerful emotion and I think a lot of people are afraid to put themselves out there and try to create something. I hear it all the time. I have, I have a job, I have a mortgage, I have kids, I have a family. I don't have time, I'm too tired. You know, I can't risk putting time into something that's going to that's gonna fail. And, and that's sad to me because you're going to be 70, 80 years old one of these days wishing that you had done those things because you're going to look back on your life and all you're going to have is your job and your family and that's it. And, you know, I know people who don't even have hobbies, literally no hobbies. Like I asked them what their hobby is and they say watching Netflix. And and I'm like, you really got to do something, learn a language, learn an instrument. I'm learning Portuguese. I play the piano uh, all the time, practicing. Uh, I, I brush up on my French. Sometimes I'm painting something. I'm not good at these things. Who cares? Like, I got a million plants in my house. I'm always trying to propagate them and and, and keep them alive. Doing anything besides the normal, everyday stuff is going to keep your brain sharp. So... Yeah read articles, learn something new, listen to podcasts like this one, listen to music, go for walks, you know, do yoga, meditate, eat healthy, do all the right things, man. That's what I do. That's my life. And you will find yourself positive, confident, uplifting, able to navigate through the depressing, negative world we live in by being able to see past those dreary clouds and see the sliver of Sunshine hiding behind them and say, Oh, I want to grab that sunshine, you know? Go for the sunshine, man. Don't go for the clouds. And I think that if you can do that and follow your dreams, don't give up. Always work hard to reach your goals. You will reach them if you work hard enough and if you don't give up.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Last question for you. Has there been a favorite moment in your career so far? Anything that stands out?
1: Oh, man, I've had quite a few. Uh, I don't know if you can see the awards to my left, but I have a bunch of awards from my movies. The governor of Pennsylvania had me come to Harrisburg in front of the House of Representatives because they, they gave me uh, a day. They, they named a, a day after my movie, King's Highway Day, August 20th. I got a, a bill was passed and everything. Dang. So, nice. so naming a day after my movie was pretty damn cool. Teaching my my workshop as a as a guest lecturer at University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, um, I was approached by PhD students. They loved my book. They wanted me to create a course to teach in front of entrepreneurship students. That was mind blowing. I was extremely honored to have been able to teach that at Wharton. My app reaching you know half a million users and getting in the press and media all the time and traveling around the country speaking about that. I mean, there's so many cool things I've done in my life that, uh, I'm still doing, I'm still creating. I'm still, you know, I just won an award, uh, literally three weeks ago for my documentary. It's not even <laughs> out yet. I put it into a film. festival what I won. So best feature documentaries. I just, I keep doing it, man. And, uh, I think just creating yeah. is what I'm happy about. Just creating and creating and creating. I just love it. It's, can't stop doing it. Very nice. All right. Well, this has
0: been, I think it has been a great conversation. I feel like we could dive into, like you've mentioned, almost any of these single topics and yeah. pull out an entire episode on it, at least an hour, at least an hour conversation for, for any single one, but really appreciate uh, the time and the conversation. I guess any other final thoughts you, you gave us, I think a really great wrap up, but um, yeah. where, where can, I guess any final thoughts and, and where can people find out more about you?
1: I mean, like you said, I wrapped it up pretty nice. And just to reiterate, I would say to anyone listening to this or watching this, if you think you can't do something or you're too afraid to do something and you're not quite sure what to do or how to do it, figure it out. Don't just sit around wishing that you could do it or thinking about doing it. Make a list of goals. And every day, work on that list for like five minutes. 10 minutes when on your lunch break, or when you're in, when you're sitting on the toilet, or when you know, when you're going for a walk with the dog, or when you're just sitting there watching Netflix, take a break for 10 minutes and work on just a little piece of your goals. Because after a couple of months, or maybe a year, you'll have accomplished that goal by picking away at it. So just try, just try to do it or learn how to do it, right? And if you need help to get to that point of maybe you don't know where to start, I do have some free guidelines on my website. If you go to jasonsherman.org, click on um, startup guidelines, click on it, put in your email, and I'll send you a document that gives you the list that I follow every single day to launch my stuff, to build my MVPs and to um, succeed Right where others have failed. Um, Check out my podcast. Get my book on Amazon. It's on Audible as an audio book as well. My YouTube channel, my blog, my course, Startup Essentials on Skillshare or Udemy. That's a really good place to learn how to do this hands-on because I give you all the stuff visually in like a three-hour course. But really, everything's on my website, JasonSherman.org. You can find me on all the social media channels as well, and um, check it out. You know, if you need help. I'm actually pretty approachable. You can reach out to me. Yeah, I mean, you can reach out to me on any social media or my website. Just reach out to me and, and pitch me your idea or let me know where you need help. And I'm always willing to give people a couple minutes of my time. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll put those links in the show
0: notes as well, so you can check out links in the show notes and uh, check out all of those different places. It's a lot. Uh, thank you so much, Jason. This again, this has been a, a, an awesome conversation. So before we go, we usually do a, a shout out or gripe to anything that uh, any products you've been using or have been liking or disliking. I don't know
1: if you brought anything for today that you have a shout do out have or a gripe s- for. I do have something. It's on the ground, though, so okay. you can't see it. It's off camera, but um, it's, it's called the Examiner. It's this really cool kind of like the Uber or Airbnb of, of crypto mining oh. by uh, a company called SC Prime. And I just got it like a month ago. I'll send you a picture of it. Or yeah. if you go to if you go to the, the website, um, I think it's examiner.net. And you can see what it looks like. But it's this really cool kind of futuristic box. You plug it in and it's plug and play. And it just starts mining automatically for this company. It hosts, uh, it's like a cloud storage host, basically, right. decentralized. But I like it because it's like Uber, Airbnb, where you're, you know, you're running you're out your car, or your house. In this case, you're running out cloud storage, but you're not doing any work, really. So I love that. And um, big shout out to my documentary, Cutting Corners, about unsafe construction that will be released this fall. And I'm excited about that. And of course, Instamore Discovery, instamore.com. Check out my, uh, if you want to sign up for the release of that, um, follow social media. We'll be releasing that and my movie all this year. I'm excited. So there's a lot of stuff happening this year. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty much it, man. And And a shout out to entrepreneurs out there who are starting something new don't give up push hard follow your dreams awesome cool
0: well that uh that feels like a great place to end it so we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up right there but awesome again thank you so much this is we'll have to check out some of those things i'll, I'll we'll grab all of the links and get them in the show notes too thanks Kyle. Uh, Thanks, jason appreciate, appreciate
1: it. it man you too okay. man this was great
0: thanks thanks again for listening if you like the show Be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at ProdByDesign. That's Prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking at ProductThinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans as well. Or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.